Guys, I do not think that there is an intro that could do justice and encompass all of the amazing work and the woman that is Taylor Gray. She is a proud Wiradjuri woman and lawyer for the Aboriginal Legal Service. She is a fierce advocate for um, the educational system and the injustices, and she's drawing attention to the ways in which our educational system could perhaps serve um, our nation's first people and Torres Strait Islander children um, and young adults better. I had no idea that this was going on. And the way that she articulates it is like fierce. She is running protests. She is fronting up. She is a huge advocate for the Black Black Lives Matter movement. And I am just absolutely besotted with her like full girl crushing and I am so grateful that Taylor took her time out on a Sunday mind you because she is in such high demand and she's doing such big work to have this conversation with us and she actually offered to come back if anyone had any questions or wants any clarity on anything I especially love that Taylor is working towards and is passionate about one day achieving a treaty and we talk about that Um, towards the end of the potty. So please stay tuned, listen in, let us know what you think. And if you would love to hear more from Taylor and have any specific questions, let me know. And we may be able to secure some more time with her later on. And I am just so grateful. It just doesn't even cut it. Thank goodness for people like Taylor Gray. Lady, you have been on my radar for a while now and I'm always floored with your passion, how grounded you are and with that, of course, you're brilliant. You're a fierce advocate for our First Nations people. You have a strong, insightful presence on social media and have graduated law here in Newcastle, which is no easy feat. Welcome to the podcast, Taylor Gray. That was such a grand um, welcoming. Uh, thank you. I'm so, so excited to be here. We finally have made it happen. And you are an incredibly important woman doing incredibly important things. So you have been hard to pin down, but you were giving up your time for us on, your, on a Sunday. So thank you so much. Um, so I spun out when I realized you are often in the hood here. So I grew up on a Wabakal land and I still reside here to this day. So where are you based at the moment? I'm based on Waramai country. And just before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge um, country and recognize um, that I am on the lands of the unceded Waramai people um, and give my respects to any First Nations person listening um, so I'm on, I, I bounce between Biripai and Waramai lands, um, Tari, Foster and Tankari. Um, but, I, but I also make a dash home to, well, not, well Newcastle's my home away from home, um, to a Wobbicle land here and there as well. So I'm, I'm everywhere at the moment. <laughs> you're, all, you're everywhere good and everywhere in between. That's so, so good. You're lucky that you've been able to get out and about, like, 
tomorrow we're supposed to be out of lockdown. So that's, you know, exciting news for everyone um, who happens to be around here. But I also love that so many, um, well, it feels like there's, it, well, look, there's been an improvement in people starting to recognize the traditional names of the land. So it's a slow process though, right? Yeah, it is. But there's this, um, another First Nations lady on Instagram as well, who's, who's you know, helped with this movement um, and restoring the traditional names. I, I think every listener should get on board and follow her because th there's, there's Ooh, a lot of updates that. and a good movement. Um, and I'm just trying to think of the name of it. But um, I, I know I follow her. I'm just trying to think. I can't, I can't remember, but if I it comes to me later. <laughs> We can, we'll find it and I can add it into our show notes anyway, because yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's take a step back here for the tea gray story because your post on educational experience, it was a while back now, your post on your educational experience floored me and had me cheering you on. So can you talk me through what school was like for you? Yeah, for sure. So I grew up um, on my country, Wiradjuri Nation, the centre of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> and um, from, I'm from Dubbo and I finished year 12 in Dubbo. Um, I went to Dubbo South campus, which was year 7 to year 10. And I ended up getting a scholarship, um, an Indigenous leadership scholarship in year 10 and you know they made us write out all these goals and what we wanted to be and made us pick our electives for year 11 and 12 and I, and I thought to myself what do, what do I want to be um, and ever since I was a little girl I knew I wanted to be a lawyer um, but I really I really harnessed that towards the end of my schooling years and so I said all right I'm gonna do legal studies um, and so I chose that in year 10 for, for year 11 and 12 and I got the scholarship as well. And when they made us write out the goals, they they got uh, like the newspaper people there. Who are they? I think it might have been the Dubbo Photo News or the Dubbo Liberal. And they interviewed all, all the scholars. And yeah. one of the questions they asked us was, where do you see yourself in five years' time? And <laughs> I said either A, I'd be a gold medalist um, <laughs> at the Olympics, sure. <laughs> or I would be a lawyer, and I knew once I wrote it down, like in I think this this was in year ten, and I and I said to myself, like I'm going to be so embarrassed if I look back, and you know, in ten years' time, people are reading this article because they found it in the archives, and I'm neither of those things. <laughs> I'd be oh. a little bit. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and I ended up doing year 11 and 12 at Dubbo College Senior Campus and mm -hmm. I failed my HSC miserably. I mean, my ATAR was super duper low, like so low I didn't even get an ATAR score. Um, but I was still determined to go to university and I ended up applying to like Armidale, Newcastle, Sydney. Um, but the only one that called me back was Newcastle. Um, oh, well done, <laughs> Newcastle. Well done. Yeah, Smart move. Oh. And they... they <laughs> they have this great alternative entry program like for, for everybody not just first nations people but for everybody and i remember the liberal liberal government try to cap it the other year and try and put um fees on it because right now it's, it's a free program so a lot of our students rallied against that and thankfully it's still free mm. um but year 11 and 12 yeah i mean i love school i loved the learning i was just no good at it <laughs> like bookwork and you know <laughs> writing essays and 
So I ended up failing, like failing year 11 and 12 legal studies, like miserably, terribly. And, but I still wanted to be a lawyer, Katie. I still wanted to be a lawyer. It's still there, the drive. Well, see, that's what (laughs) matters. I think that's what, obviously that's been a huge like factor, isn't it? But how many people would get derailed or um, lose their confidence or have someone try and talk them out of it along the way? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I totally agree. But you just got to have that confidence. And, and I backed myself. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, no, we're going to we're going to do the um, alternative entry program called YouPub, which is an awobical word meaning pathway, essentially, you know, a, a pathway into university. And so I did that for a year. And I just I fell in love so much more with education, because I was taught by First Nations academics, First Nations staff, like, we had the Wallatooka Institute where we could sit around and have coffees with each other, have barbecues every week. And it was a really safe space for First Nations students like who were first coming to university. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a culturally safe place to learn, to learn about, you know, our history in a really truthful way and not sugarcoating our history mm-hmm. um, and learning about the disadvantages. And not only the disadvantages, but the strengths of my culture, like, there, you know, often we learn about all the bad things, the high incarceration rates, the suicide rates, you know, the health statistics. But at university, I learned so much more than that. I learned the strength of my culture and, you know, our knowledge and our old people. And it was, I was just so empowered by that. I love that so much because there is so much wisdom there. And I agree. Like it's, I remember going through school and the history that I was taught about our First Nations people was not anywhere near as well-rounded or like broad as anything that you're describing there. It was very beige and very like just almost as if it was just to tick a box and move on. And then I feel like we've missed so much. Do you think that's changing at all? Like, well, obviously the fact that you had access to a pathway like that um, with such knowledge and with such beautiful wisdom, you know, that obviously made a huge impact to you. Yeah, definitely. And it, it like the next generations like that are coming through are, are, are so empowered. I, I'm inspired by the next generation coming through. I mean, you know, I, I have younger First Nations girls writing to me saying they want to be a lawyer. They want to go to law school. They want to go to university. They're the first in their family to, you know, go. And I, and I'm just, I, I think back to my circumstances as well. And I'm like, oh, I was you once upon a time, like you can do this. But, yeah, there is a change. There is definitely a change. And not just for First Nations people, but for non-Indigenous Australians as well. Like, I I have so many mates, colleagues and, you know, people in passing just talk to me, you know, wanting to know more about the First Nations culture. Yeah, it's it's really good. Well, I am absolutely fascinated. I'm actually um, trying to get a birth educator, like a First Nations birth educator, Um, on here because I know that some of the beautiful traditions um, that go with like birthing alongside the land and oh it just blows my mind um, that I think so many people would just be fascinated by and would love to um, embody even and just bear witness to so I'm, I'm working on that but how does a woman who failed every single exam go to topping the class for your advanced legal writing course? I don't know. It, it, I, <laughs> gosh, it didn't happen overnight, that's for sure. Um, 
there, there were a lot of, lot of late nights. I had a lot of good patient mentors. Um, Blake Pepper is one of them. Dr. Charlene Leroy Dyer is the other. Glenn, Dr. Glenn Anderson. Like, I remember staying, late, staying up late at night. Um, and it's the first time I've ever had a panic attack, actually, over, over some of my assessments. And, and that's not the things people see. I mean, they see the grade, you know, the grade that I posted, but they didn't see everything that went into it. And it's like, I remember sitting down at New Space um, and all day I, I was worried because I was like, I, I need to submit this assignment, otherwise I'm not going to pass. And I already asked for two extensions. So I said to myself, gosh, they're not going to give me a third extension. Like, this is really pushing it. And I, and I worked myself up that, you know, I ended up having a panic attack and I've never really spoken about this openly, um, but <laughs> because I've grown oh, from it, uh... I'm more brave to share that story. But yeah, sitting at New Space, um, you know, everybody was out, you know, looking at my Snapchats, my mates were out on the beach or they were going out having drinks with their friends and socialising. But I, I was stuck at home and I was uh, stuck at New Space and I was like, gosh, I don't think I'm going to get this done. I need to get this done. Otherwise, I'm not going to pass, you know, my course and I'll have to, I'll have to re- like start again and repeat and be back here next year. And yeah, and I um, worked myself up so much that whole day that I started to get like really bad headaches and mm-hmm. it got to about 11 o'clock at night and my assignment was due at midnight and I ended up getting like a real sharp pain in my left arm and I, and I thought to myself oh my god I'm gonna die riding this yeah, <laughs> this is how I go yeah yeah and like I thought I was literally gonna have a heart attack I was like this and I and I just submitted it how, like, one of my assignments, how it was. And I, and I was like, this isn't worth my mental health, my physical health. I'm s- submitting it how it is. And I put it in. I, yeah, ended up putting my health, you know, finally first at that, at that rate. And um, I ended up passing that. But, I mean, this, all of, all of those circumstances, like, all of those situations, like, they went towards me getting like one of the highest marks because it was my grit and determination. I just kept going and going and wanting to learn because I love learning. Well, absolutely. And welcome to the Panic Attack Club. Like, happy to have you. Even though it is absolutely, like, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because we talk about all things mental health over here. Um, And today when we're recording this, it's World Mental Health Day. So how perfect. Um, Yeah, do you still get panic attacks now or have you sort of learned to um, live alongside them or have they subsided? How is that presenting for you now? Yeah, well, that, that was the first panic attack um, that I can recall that I've, that I've ever had. And I had no idea that I was having one until I ended up, you know, going to the doctors, like the John Hunter in the emergency department. And I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. And they said, no, yeah. <laughs> they checked my heart. My heart was fine. They're like, no, you're having a panic attack. And I had no idea how to navigate that space. Um, and then I, I thought to myself and after it, I said, I'm never going to let myself get to that level, you know, of stress again. And I'm not going to grind like my body to exhaustion anymore, you know, for, for a capitalist system. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I was, yeah. Yeah, like I will, you know, I will, my, my work will be done when I'm ready. That's so important. And I've just gone back to university. I'm doing like um, Australian College of Applied Psychology, ACAP, awesome. and I've just gone back to study, yeah, this year, which is the first time, like what would they, what'd they call me, like a geriatric student, which first of all, rude, 
but um, fair enough. And, you know, the same thing, like finding myself before I have to submit something like churning and it's so overwhelming, but now I'm rolling with the philosophy of P's get degrees. And so all I can do is the very best that I can do. And then that just has to be enough because we've just got to move on. So yeah, I can totally relate, but I'm glad that you shared that because most people think that there's something wrong with them when their body, you know, presents with, you know, such anxiety or we're having a completely normal response to a a completely stressy situation. Our body's going to go into fight or flight. So it doesn't mean that you're broken. doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. You're probably just like incredibly under the pump, under the pump or facing something catastrophic. It's just a signal. So I'm going to read something that I took from your Instagram. Okay. Where is it here? Don't let me find it. Uh-oh. Yeah, I know. Um, I hate when someone says that to me. Um, I loved you posting or I saw you post and I'm like, oh no. Like, what does that mean? But anyway, this is a good one. So don't let anybody or any system destroy your dreams. Walk with purpose and speak your truth. Everyone in community has a role to play, whether that's in education, revitalizing language, sports, the storytellers, musicians, the keepers of our law and traditions. And I am so happy and so humbled that I found my role in using the vehicle of the law to seek justice for our communities. But I don't shine if we don't shine. Holy hammer. That's pretty powerful. It's okay. (laughs) Stop. That's amazing. I read that and I was just like, dang, that (laughs) is some really moving stuff. So who did you write that for? And what were you trying to achieve? If you can remember, like I'm putting you on the spot. You didn't know I was going to quote that. Um, Who were you speaking to when you were sharing that? I was speaking mainly to First Nation students, but like I think the message went so broad that you know uh, like everybody could like every student and young person could relate to it and not just young people I mean older people as well um but I found myself the the reason like how that all came about um I remember writing a post a few months back before I actually wrote that one that you just read Mm -hmm. and I was I was in between like moving houses and I remember being in such a rush like I only had a couple of things to move from my from my house left. Uh, I think I had like a few photo frames and um, some old clothes that I needed to move. And that was it, I was off to my new house. And I got a letter in the mail and it was an, this A3 piece of paper from my old school. Um, and I was in such a rush, I was just gonna, you know, I was gonna take it with me, put it in the car and just read it, whatever, when I get home, because I had somewhere to be, I had, I had work to do. Um, and I thought to myself, I tapped, I tapped this A3 bit of paper and I was like, what, what is this? And I was, because I'm such a curious soul, I, I stopped for a moment. And I, here I was sitting in my, in my room that I shared with, you know, three other roommates. They've already moved all their stuff, so our house was bare. And it was just me in the house with a couple of boxes. And I, I, shook, I shook this A3 bit of envelope and it was hard. And I said, what, what could this be? What is it? And I opened it up and it was a photo of me <laughs> from, my, from my old high school. Um, wow. and, and it was just like how other, you know, other students in that year group looked up to me and like they thanked me for taking time out of my day to, you know, write a, you know, write a letter to the school and just sharing my experience. 
and I just stopped and I broke down like in in my room and I just thought fuck I was like I can't believe like here I am like I just how far I've come I'm sitting in my room and I rushed you know and I've just graduated and like you know when I didn't just graduate then I mean I was in my final semester of law school and I thought I've come such a long way and I just I broke down completely because here I was rushing and I still haven't had a chance to reflect on how far that I've come and there I was like in my room in tears reading this letter from my school and time stopped and that's when I ended up drafting up that post and I was like it doesn't matter if you fail like just keep going keep going and you know you'll get to where you need to be when you need to be there oh goosebumps isn't it funny how like we have these moments we have these little taps on the shoulder we have these nudges that can be complete pivots or beautiful anchors in our life if we just allow them and pay attention to those Definitely. moments because that's pretty yeah. profound <laughs> you would have missed that you would have just been in your car on the way to the next thing like all well and good probably having like a massive sing-along to something but you would have missed that closing of the loop, that coming full circle. Yeah, that's right. And just time to, you know, reflect on the journey. Definitely. So now you've graduated, you're using your voice. What are you seeing as some of the like most problematic areas that need to be addressed within the work that you do, especially for our First Nations people? Because I've got a couple of ideas, but I bet there's many more issues that I wouldn't even know about. Yeah, I, I mean, ugh, where do you start? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a massive question and it's a good question. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> where do we start? I, I, I mean, I don't really have the answer. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a bit hard. Okay, so it's like how long is a piece of string, really? Like, who knows? There's quite a few. Okay, so in terms of perhaps like we're talking about like the youth coming up, like how are you seeing, you know, or like the, like what is a real struggle for them in terms of like the legal system or how things are being run or we can flip it and talk about what's working. Um, whatever you like. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think like in terms of the criminal justice system, I mean, cause I'm a criminal defense lawyer now and criminal defense lawyer everyone criminal defense lawyer or defense lawyer we don't need to yeah defense that's massive okay so obviously huge so yeah okay so now i get why the question's even bigger um yeah what how are you how are you using your voice then to um to support and protect and, you know, what are the issues that you're seeing there? Yeah, so I think, you know, the issue is the way, you know, from from week to week, from day to day. I mean, I've been in the job for almost six months now and I'm just so disheartened and disenchanted with the way the law operates for my people. And, you know, the last few weeks I've been watching the law and how it's been applied to First Nations people, you know, on First Nations land. And it's so disheartening. I come home some days and I'm just like, this this isn't it. Like, this is not the way forward for my people. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest, like, aspects 
of where that like disenchantment comes from is that with the Western system, you know, you have this criminal history that follows you around for eternity. Like it's, it's always lingering in the background. Every time you go to court, it doesn't matter how long ago, like an offense happened, it's always there to haunt you. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading, I remember reading this book. Um, it's called Sand Talk and it's by a First Nations man. His, his name is Tyson. Um, Yanka Porter, I think that's how you say his last name. And it talks about how Indigenous thinking can save the world. And one of the one of the aspects that's highlighted in the book is criminal history and the way First Nations people dealt with it. And I read this chapter and I was just so blown away because the way we like distinguish our criminal history from the Western history is that we didn't have a criminal history that followed us around forever. Like once we committed an offence traditionally, that was it. Like you were given your punishment, you accepted your accountability, you were punished and then you moved on and then you were well respected in the community because you were able to take that accountability and you weren't able to shine away from it. And it's like, and I thought about it and it's like people are more prone to, you know, accept accountability if they know it's not going to follow you around for, forever. Yeah. And then I looked, I looked at the Western system and the way it functions and it's like, well, nobody wants to accept accountability because look at, you know, look at their long history, criminal history. <laughs> like yeah. they're going to get harsher penalties. They're going to get, you know, less leniency from the court. And I just thought, well, that's a big issue. Like our ways, our, you know, First Nation ways aren't visible in the Western court system. No. No, they wouldn't be. And I was actually learning about it in one of the modules um, within my course and they were talking about the benefits of having, um, like, if you are a First Nations person, making sure that you have, like, there's different court systems and they're being trialled and I'm obviously not very affluent in this area, but where you've got First Nations, like, judge and you've got First Nations... um, you know, like uh, the whole courtroom basically is run by that and they're having a far higher success rate of, um, you know, like a lower reoffending rate and like a far better rehabilitation rate after that based on just that understanding and that respect. Um, yeah, is that something that you've seen or you believe would be of benefit? I don't know. I think it was over in WA where they're doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I know there's a First Nations court, you know, that, that New South Wales are looking at, but it hasn't hasn't been introduced yet. But we do have something called circle sentencing. Um, and I get to go to my first circle sentence as a lawyer next Tuesday, actually. It'll be my first one. So I'll, yeah. have, to keep, I'll have to keep you posted how that goes. Absolutely. Um, but the problem is it doesn't apply to all offences. and there are some towns that that don't have circle sentencing for instance Tari and foster and tunkari like tunkari foster region there's no circle sentencing here so i've got to i've got to go to kempsey um to do a circle sentence there and it's like it's for warramai country for the warramai people here living in this area like this country like there's so there's there's nothing here (laughs) there's no circle sentencing there's no rehabs um, there's no merit program, like it's just straight to prison. 
and it's it's a really really sticky situation here in Taree, but I'm yet to see how they work. But we don't we don't incorporate it enough to the justice system like our ways. That's my personal opinion. Well, no, I can absolutely see how that would be your experience, and that is actually the case. Like I just think that there's there's got to be something there's something missing because it's not working. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you, you've noticed that as well. What is the circle, what would you, did you call it? The circle justice system? Circle? The circle sentencing. Circle sentencing. So what is that exactly? Because that's a new term yeah. for me. I've never heard of it. Yeah, so I, um, it's, it's my first one on Tuesday, so I can't speak okay. for next week. But, yeah. um, so it's where you have elders of that community, respected elders, and then you have... The magistrate, I believe you have the magistrate there. Um, you have the police, you have the victim, and then you have the perpetrator there as well. And you all get together and you talk about like the offending. Um, and you, you come up with ways that's going to satisfy everybody, like how to move forward, um, you know, and to reach a re- resolution altogether. Wow. Well, I like that. That sounds like that would absolutely you know, be a more peaceful and it just makes sense rather than someone residing and ruling, which I guess serves a point in, at well, It has served a point at some point because it's still happening. I don't know, but you know, I like that Avenue. I like the sounds of that. That makes, you know, more sense to me. Yeah. But we'll see <laughs> how that goes. Cause I have no, no law experience whatsoever. So um, that's fair enough. So for those of us who do need to constantly check in with our privilege, and I'm raising my hand here, like, cause there's been like, and it actually shits me because there was an amazing, like with the loss of, um, you know, we had that massive, like a pseudo white awake, like white awakening, you know, to like, Oh, what, what year was it? Was it last year? Yeah. Yes. So everyone got all on the movement, right? All on Black Lives Matter and were gun ho for a little while. And then it just sort of dissipated. And I think that grinds my gears a little bit, but I'm also a little bit guilty of it. So I'll put my hand up there because if it's not in the forefront of our minds, we tend to forget about it and it makes me really uncomfortable. But um, that's the whole point is being uncomfortable and examining, you know, what we can do more and how we can, you know, learn and grow and keep things changing. How, you know, can we support you, your work, our First Nations culture here in Australia? Like, what can we do to keep supporting the work that you do and our First Nations people? Listen. Listen. I think this country, you know, in this country, there's been so many books written about us by white people um, so many, you know, podcasts, TVs, everything, you know, everything's always been written about us, but nothing's been written with us. And I think it's time like, for white Australia to just simply listen, listen to our solutions, listen, you know, to our ways of doing, our ways of being and, you know, how to look after this land, how, how to utilise the criminal justice system and do our ways. Just listen. I love that. Thank you very much. And as like, yeah, that's honestly so helpful because we, it's 
so easy to feel helpless. But I think that just like you said, that there is so much wisdom um, by listening. And I'm going to tag a few um, amazing accounts that I've been following and supporting as well of our First Nations people, some amazing artists, um, which I've sort of found through everything. And, oh, my gosh, the creativity and the storytelling that comes with some of um, these amazing women that I'm seeing out there putting out these amazing creations um, is just mind-blowing. So, Taylor, what is next for you? What is on the horizon? Tell me what is going on in your world. What is going on in my world? I, I'm, I'm writing. I'm still writing a PhD. Um, I'm still writing a PhD. I'm still reading, and I'm still learning. <laughs> and that's that's as good as it gets. Um, and I, I mean, I, I love a sneaky 5k run every week. Try to at least. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's, that's really it. I mean, and just, you know, working on a little bit of projects, writing a couple of articles, um, and of course, <laughs> trying to get a, a treaty. Never left my mind. Oh my goodness. Okay. I know that we've got to wrap it up, but talk, can you explain what the treaty is that you're after? Like, what is it? How are you going about it? What does that actually look like? Yeah. So, I mean, in my, I'm, I'm talking about it in my PhD because, mm -hmm. I mean, my focus is going to be on native title, but, of course, treaty is going to tie into it and about sovereignty. But I remember writing before, uh, I seen this quote, I think it might have been by a Māori elder that a treaty is a promise between two people, two peoples to take the best possible care of each other. And whatever respect that's in, that could be through the land, like through the, you know, criminal justice system, through the government, like just to take the best possible care of one another. And, yeah, it's, it's going to involve a lot. I mean, it's not just my voice. And I have to involve so many other elders and other countries, like First Nation countries, um, getting together and coming up with what we want. But it's just ways in how we can use the land together. Amazing. Well, I hope that in 10 years time or in five years time, when you are, you know, that treaty is coming together and you are like, you've nailed it and it's all, you know, looking like we're both taking care of each other and our peoples are working together. And you realize on this podcast that you actually said that that is something that you're working on and it comes to fruition when someone is digging up the archives and it's like, yeah, she said it here. Miss TG, Taylor Gray, thank you so, so much. I'm going to link your Instagram page um, in the show notes as well. I really appreciate you sharing a bit of your, uh, like your experience with us and allowing us to have a glimpse into your world and what you're working on. And thank you so much. Like, honestly, I'm so grateful because I know that you would be getting requests like this all the time. And I'm just so honored that you've chosen to um, chat to us today on Simply Complicated. <laughs> uh, thank you, Katie. I'm so happy and so humble to be. Thank you.